BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spurs Cast, episode 591. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer John Diaz. In this episode, John and I will discuss some takeaways and observations from the Spurs' first three preseason games. Let's go ahead and get started. John, how are you doing? I'm good. Hey, you know, there, there's some good news behind everything. Like the last time the Spurs started a preseason 0-3 was last year, so we, we've got that going for us. Oh, okay, so yeah, they, you know they they kind of look like the team that 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 was already was playing. You know, before the before the pandemic happened, they had to stop the season in March. I mean, this is kind of what this preseason showed early on. It doesn't look like a lot of changes like when we saw the bubble there. So let's go ahead and get dive right into this uh, Spurs cast listeners. So let's begin first with the latest news for the team. Uh, I want to start first, uh, John, with some injury news. Um, Coach Pop this week on Tuesday, we were doing a, a pregame um, you know interview session with him virtually. And, uh, you know, he was asked about, the uh, you know, where where Keldon Johnson and Derek White uh, stand and in terms of them being ready for, for the first game of the season next week. And he basically said no. He said that uh, uh, on Keldon, he said uh, he won't be back for the next couple of weeks was his quote. And he says uh, Keldon, um, who's out with the left foot injury, uh, he's actually further along than Derek White in terms of he says that Keldon's at least able to right now play, uh, participate in three-on-three workouts, whereas Derek, who had that left second toe surgery, um, over the off season, uh, he's not even on the court yet. Like Pop basically said, he's not even he's he's further behind than um, than Keldon. So I mean, that's a huge that's a huge injury. I mean, just for the multiple weeks that these players are going to be out, uh, and we, again, we don't have a timetable of exactly when they're coming back. So we know for sure they're probably definitely not coming back, uh, or Keldon's not at least coming back next week on, on the home opener against Memphis on, on I think it's on, on a Wednesday. Uh, and so, you know, Derek is, is, is probably going to be a starter this year. So that's one part is that you're missing a starter. And then Keldon was, was obviously having a breakout t- um, time there in the bubble. Uh, so, so what do you think about this injury news, the fact that these players could both be out um, for multiple weeks? I, I kind of find it ironic that we're supposed to be in this new era of the NBA being a little more transparent with these injuries. And we kind of know what happened with Derek White. We, mm-hmm. we saw that. They announced that. The Keldon injury is a little – I have a lot more questions because – you, I, I, we saw the videos of him training. We've we've seen it, he looked fine when they were doing the, the the Fiesta jersey shoot and stuff. And then I think he had a public appearance where he was wearing a walking boot. And it, it just makes me wonder what was the timeline of the injury? What exactly is the extent? Because 
you know, you could be wearing a boot for an ankle sprain. You could be wearing a boot for plantar fasciitis. And and that's where it's it kind of bleeds into where is that going to end up in his return for not only this season, but any minutes restrictions moving forward and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's also it's hard because you've got to make that decision on Derek White with his contract extension. And Keldon was the star of the bubble. That's pretty much easy to point out. And now you're missing both of those guys that you're kind of like looking for this young guy revolution. And now they're going to be out maybe through December. And any, any kind of hopes that hinge on the shortened season for this team to make the playoffs or at least make the play-in game are hinging on these two guys. Obviously, Devin Vassell, he's, he's probably your best defender just strictly off a scouting report. But you don't want to like have to put that kind of pressure or have him anchor the defense. These two are who you're looking at for that defense. And when you don't have them, we saw what it translated to these last three games. Uh, it, it just seems like the defense is in shambles. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they're back sooner than later, but we'll see what happens. I would just wish the Spurs were a little bit more transparent on the Keldon Johnson injury. Yeah, that was that was a weird one too. You're right, because like like you said, you know, all of a sudden, you know, when training camp first started, Pop just like starts, um, you know, naming all the players as injuries. And again, like we knew about Quindary Weatherspoon, uh, we knew about Derek White because the Spurs had announced that those two players had surgeries in the off season. It's like we knew that was coming. Whereas Kelton Pop just goes, oh, he's out. He has a foot foot injury, and then like it didn't get clarified. They, and they would have put on their injury report into the actual first game against OKC, and that's when we saw, oh, okay, it, it is the left foot injury. And again, there's, there hasn't been, um, you know, any kind of timetable either of when when the team expects him back. And again, it's only really when when reporters asked pop you know what's the latest on their condition and that's when he kind of just let out that oh they're actually out multiple weeks because like his, his yeah. original quote we were kind of lost there like where, where i talked to micah two weeks ago and we and he said he basically made it seem like they could they were definitely gonna miss the whole preseason but then he made it sound like they might be able to come back by opening night or or or, or not so like that's why it's kind of all over the place and, and i'm really glad john you brought something up uh spurs cast this is what, what john just mentioned there was that Derek white does have that contract extension that uh that the deadline is on monday on the 21st of december so that's something to watch it's i mean that we're, we're already john and I are recording this on a Friday, so so that news could drop, uh, you know, in the next three days. So kind of keep uh, keep an eye out on social media, or if it passes, well, then what that means is that the Spurs can still retain Derek White, but he's gonna he's gonna the market's gonna dictate the price that that teams are gonna offer him because he would become a restricted free agent. Now we saw that with Yaka Pertle, they were able to kind of just sign Pertle back. They didn't get no offer sheets, but Derek's at a different position. Uh, you know, he, he's at the guard wing position, which is which is a more wanted position in the NBA. Plus a lot of those free agents, those marquee names like Giannis. Um, 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 Paul George, etc. Those players who you have a bunch of cap space for, so guess what? They're actually signing their extensions now. So, so that's something to watch with uh, with Derek White if the Spurs that uh, choose to to retain him long term. And like John just said, there, uh, you know, it's it's tough to make that that call right now because he's he's going to be injured to start, to start the year. And I know that Pop was asked this um, on on. Um, on Thursday before the game, and he basically said, you know, uh, Derek's a big part of the future and, and the franchise, but you know, they didn't really say that there's anything concrete in the works right now. Um, Let's continue with just some. Um, I don't want to go too much into these games because again, it, it is preseason. But I will just say what, what John just mentioned there. Um, you know, they, the Spurs did go zero and three in their preseason start, uh, uh, even though it was a shortened pre, uh, shortened preseason than the normal. Uh, so they did lose to OKC on Saturday in San Antonio. There was no fans allowed. Uh, so one twenty eight one 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 twenty one one zero eight. It was a uh, you know it was pretty it was uh, you know a fairly competitive game uh, throughout the the game. Something interesting there was that the Spurs did start off big with Demar with uh, Dejounte Murray at the one. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan at the two, Rudy Gay at the three, uh, Aldridge at the four, and then Yaka Pertl at the five. Then they switched up their scheme on, on Tuesday night. They played, they went to Houston for the first time on the road, no fans again, uh, and they lost their 112-98, again, a, a closer game. That was James Harden and, and um, 
and uh, what's his name, PJ Tucker's first games playing, uh, to, uh, you know, with the Rockets for this season because they didn't show up to training camp and there were some issues going on with with both players. Uh, and then uh, they did start smaller the Spurs here where they had uh, Dejounte Murray, Lonnie Walker the fourth, Demar Derozan, Rudy Gay, and Lamarcus Aldridge. Then on Thursday. Uh, they kept that same exact starting lineup, um, you know, and then plus uh, Pop said he would he would use that type of game, that rotation, to make it look more like what they're going to do against Memphis next week in the in the opener. And he also brought you know Patty Mills, Devin Vassell, uh, Trey Lyles, and Yaka Pert off the bench to close out that nine man unit. Now in this one though it wasn't close though the Spurs went down early by a lot and you know they were down by thirty four one time so they lost one twenty eight one oh six. Um, I guess some trends I've seen, John, because we're going to get into individual players in a little bit, but some trends I've kind of seen is what the players say, but also kind of what I've seen as well in the data is that on offense, at least they are trying to play a little bit quicker. You know, I, I see a lot less half court plays, even, even like LaMarcus and, and, and DeMar and Rudy, you know, they're, they're quickly kind of bringing the ball up and then and just right away, just trying to go through a pick and roll or go one-on-one or just kind of do some sort of scheme. They're, they're running a lot less half court play. So I do see the, a little bit quicker of the, of the tempo. And I know after that second Houston game, I, I did look at some of the stats and they were playing qu- uh, pretty quick in terms of less reliance on the half court. And then they are trying to shoot more threes. And, and, and you know, you do see it by the, by the percentage of their shots. Now, they're not going to be, you know, like the Rockets. But they are at least, you see the data, and it does show that they're at least t- attempting more threes. So um, what, what are just some early takeaways from the preseason uh, without going too, too much into the individual players? Yeah, uh, you know, I think the, the, the thing that I saw already was, I think, last season, I wrote it down, uh, 27 was the most threes they attempted in a preseason game last year. And the least they took this season was 31. So... There it goes to them speaking about trying to launch more from beyond the arc. I I think a a big concern that I have, and and you can see it with the two teams that they played in OKC and Houston, that the Spurs only have one guy that can shoot, that shot over 40% from three last year Mm -hmm. with a minimum of 100 attempts, which was Lonnie Walker. And he shot 101. And teams like OKC and Houston were attempting, had one player also, but that player was attempting three to 400 throughout the season. And you had Ben McLemore and Danilo Gallinari. So it seems like it's just more of a whoever's open, if it's a good shot, take it. If not, mm-hmm. try to find a good shot. It doesn't seem like it's built into any kind of a scheme, even when they're just pushing the ball and not executing in the half court. It doesn't seem like they're trying to get the ball into Lonnie's hands or someone that you can try to trust more from three. It just seems like take it, you're open. Hopefully it goes in. Um, that <laughs> We'll see how that works going forward. Um the, they finished the preseason at 31% from three, which is also kind of hard to take yeah. too much stock into because mm-hmm. y- you've got to look at guys like Trey Lyles and LaMarcus Aldridge haven't played since March. Mm-hmm. These other guys had maybe, what, a month and a half off and it, just enough time to get out of game shape but still not have your legs to be able to shoot properly. And it, it's, it felt like, you know, it was one of those things where these guys are going to take a good while to actually kind of warm up and be able to play to the level they're capable of. Um, but it, it's also just, you know, Pop made the comment that they seem too unselfish and they're passing up a lot of threes. I just feel like they're a little too out of control, especially defensively. They get lost on switches. Uh, there's like there's always the desperate closeout and the teams are already knowing that's coming. So they're just ready to go drive and maybe find the next open shooter. But I, I just find it kind of really difficult to see how this team improves with this chicken head cut off offense that they're running. 
Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, you know, especially like you mentioned, you know, they're, they're, with the data. I mean, I think it's that that last Houston game was a perfect example of sure you could take more threes, but you got to have the players to make them because that's what ended up happening. Well, yeah, I think, I think at one time I tweeted like they were down twenty-seven zero from three. Like it took them to I think the second or third quarter to finally hit a three, and so that's a big problem. Is sure you can start taking more threes, but you got to actually have the players to make them. And right now, like like you mentioned, like the, like the only solid player is Lonnie. Plus, you know, Patty Mills is is a, is a known shooter as well. But aside from from those two players, you know, you know, there's there's if 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 uh, Dejounte Murray's gonna start increasing his range. Lamarcus Aldridge, Trey Lyles, all these players. You know, these guys are, are not known for their being consistent three point shooters. So that's gonna be something they're gonna have to really um, rely on. And then and then um, like you mentioned, the offense. You know, kind of it's it wasn't it wasn't obviously working out for them. And I think there's gonna be definitely some 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 key issues there defensively, especially with their defense in the paint, where the Rockets really really pick them apart. Um, now let's go ahead and just talk about some some individual players. Uh, you know, there's just some players that really interested me in this in these first three three preseason games. And I think the first player is a, is a guy we've already mentioned um, before is rookie Devin Vassell. I mean, he's been really impressive because you know for me, I, I don't watch a lot of any any college basketball basically like, unless there's a tournament, which we, obviously we didn't have the tournament because it was you know because of COVID and everything that happened there. So I didn't see any Vassell. Um, and and then you know t- so they draft him. I, I knew about the defense. Every that's all you read in the scouting report was his defense. But I, I was really kind of impressed by his offense and and and, and what he's bringing to the table here uh so i'm just going to kind of go through some of his quick stats and then and then um uh and then you can kind of give me uh, some of your perspective on both ends uh first versus okc he scores 12 points gets three steals one block three fouls in 25 minutes in the first game against houston he scores 11 points gets four steals one foul in 32 minutes and then the last game against houston which this one i, I feel like the data is a little skewed because it was a blowout so like even though he looked good in this game it's again it, it was like you're, you're down by 34 so the other teams aren't really trying as hard uh so he scores 18 points in that one two steals three fouls in 26 minutes so overall again these are preseason numbers this counts for nothing at the end of the day on the stat sheet um overall for the season uh he shoots 15 to 29 from the floor for 52 percent and he shoots five of ten from three his point location so how he's scoring getting his points so 15 point 15 of his points come from the three-point line uh 12 of his points come from the paint so he is attacking the rim uh eight points um, surprisingly come from the mid-range i was kind of impressed by that and then also six points from the free throw line um, and then, and then his, uh, he, he, he does, you know, his, he's known for his defense. So he has nine steals to just seven fouls. Uh, so, you know, that's always a good thing when he has way more steals than the fouls. Uh, you know, so, some, some things I noted for him, like he's just really a pest on defense. And he even talked about that's what he really takes a lot of pride in on that end of the floor. And then he has some good anticipation skills where he was like picking off passes, uh, that were, that were going to like cutters or he would pick off passes that were supposed to be to, to a post-up player, uh, just pr- pretty good anticipation skills. And he says, you know, that's one thing he likes to do is gamble with, you know, smartly gamble and, and even pop, you know, didn't criticize him at all really he said you know at one quote was saying that he's very wise on defense and you know pop was really harping how um he really he could just tell devin takes a lot of pride in his defense and how that's something that florida state wanted in their program and, De- and devin's definitely listened to his coach at college and pop can see that pay off and then um I, I guess the one weakness i would say on his defense is um he does get caught on screens you know he's a very wiry frame he's got to put on some muscle as he, as he starts getting a few more years in the league so you do see that that's the one time that, that i think that's his biggest weakness right now is just kind of getting caught on on different um off ball screens or, or even like when it's a pick and roll uh, you know, James Harden can easily just uh, get rid of him by having, um, you know, somebody somebody screen for him. Uh, that that was one way that that I saw. So let's just first focus on his defense. What do you what do you think about his defense? Really good instincts. Really just plays kind of fearless and really likes to just uh, disrupt a lot of passing lanes mm-hmm. and disrupt ball handlers, which I really like. Uh, I I think there was a sequence in the in the first game against OKC where they were driving on him. He managed to strip the ball and then trailed the break and shot the three from the top. And that, that's just something that the Spurs have desperately needed since, you know, shipping out Kawhi and Danny Green. They, they really haven't had that person. You've seen the flashes of Keldon doing it and DeJounte, but someone that is just a really good on-ball defender and has that kind of length is 
is just exactly what the Spurs needed, and it makes me really happy to see how quickly he was just thrown into the fire and been able to just keep his head up and actually do what the Spurs need him to do. Anything else that you get on, on the other side of the ball is a bonus, but the defense, he needs to be that develop into that anchor eventually where you can kind of have that lockdown perimeter threat. And he, man, he's everything. He's better than advertised to me because I felt like they kind of sold him as just a three and D kid, but it, it just seems like he's got veteran instincts for someone who's so young and just, you know, one year of college. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you just watch, you know, Lucas Simonich didn't play in the last two Rockets games, but he did play against OKC. And you could just tell, like, you just watch Devin, and, like, he he just kind of looks very comfortable out there, especially on offense, too. You know, no, defensively, like like you're saying, he just brings it all on that end of the floor. He's just, he, he just, he, like you said, like earlier, you mentioned, like, he's probably their best. He, he pretty much is at this point, you know, with, with Lonnie and, I mean, yeah, no, no, with uh, Keldon and Derek Hurt. You know, he's pretty much their best, like, like wing defender in terms of guarding, like, threes, twos, and threes. Whereas, you know, obviously, DeJounte's still a good defender as well out there guarding guarding the points. Um, so, so that's one thing you defensively could tell. But then all, offensively, he just looks so much more comfortable. He's bringing the ball down the floor he's he's shooting off screens and, and that's kind of what I noted here was that you know he showed his playmaking in the half court he had a really good uh he he, did, he ran a pick and roll with them I think it was Jakob or um or you know it was Drew Eubanks it was Drew Eubanks where like Drew got all the way near the rim and he threw like a solid bounce pass like through the defense and it got right to <laughs> yeah. Drew and, and he got and he made like an and one yesterday uh, in, in that game against the Rockets so like he's showing some different like you know different skills there he made some really tough um, mid-rangers which of course you know I, I don't think that's that, that was just, for, for me that's more of like a lucky shot because he had some, some really crazy like step backs and stuff like that but he got him to go in, so I mean it worked out for him. And then you know the one thing that was consistent I saw at least early on was that he was um, shooting the shooting the open three pretty well. Um, and then and then and then I saw that in two of the games where immediately on his first possession on offense, the first thing he tried to do was get to the free throw line. So I think he quickly attacked and got fouled. And that's again something that that, that we're seeing here is that I was a little bit um, impressed with his offense. What, what did you think about that part of his game? Yeah, I, the, the, I think his first shot was that dribble handoff for three, and I was just kind of like, okay, that that's <laughs> not what I expected at all. And then mm-hmm. uh, he had the mid, the contested mid-range after that, and it, it's just, man, I, I just didn't expect any of that. I didn't expect the contested mid-range or anything, and I, I remember talking to you before the OKC game and being able to see from the, the feed on court him running through the shooting drills with Chip and kind of just wondering, okay, well, maybe eventually he'll get to that point where you know, all the Spurs kind of go through those shooting drills with Chip, but there's there's always been that concern with his form. Maybe he's just only a three-point shooter, but he seems to just have all the tools already there, and maybe that Florida State, you know, kind of runs a similar offense to, to the Spurs in terms of just not being extremely selfish. Mm-hmm. But Devin shows that capability that if he needs to get a bucket, you can actually rely on him. And I don't mean he's going to start – putting up 20 points a game yeah. or taking uh, taking shots with the game on the line or anything. It just shows that there's a lot of room to grow there, and he's already a lot better than what we expected coming into the season. He can be dependent on a lot more moving forward. Yeah, and like like just like when you when you look at him and like somebody like Lucas Simonich, like you would think that that Lucas the, the the rookie, it's not it's not even Devin like in that yeah. game against OKC. I mean that was the first game against OKC. Like I automatically just forgot Lucas was there. Even when like I, you know somebody like Lonnie, like in, in the how he's been kind of in, we're gonna get to him in a little bit, but like even Lonnie, like you just forget that he's on the floor at times. Whereas Devin, like you kind of you constantly know he's on the floor because he's being a pest on defense as well. Yep. And then you know he's bringing the ball up and he's just initiating a lot. So again, you know it, it was just three preseason games, and and I think one cool thing, John, that we're gonna see it's very rare. 
rare for a rookie is because of the injuries to Derek and Kelton. I think that, you know, he's going to end up getting real minutes because Pop has basically given him like 25, 30 something Absolutely. minutes, 26. And then because of the injuries, you know, he's going to play for sure. So that's something very interesting of that fact that even when, the, when those two players come back, you know, there's going to be some, some jostling for minutes because, you know, he's, I think he's going to really make a, a presence. And, and like I said, it's very rare for Pop not to like, you know, say anything. Uh, you know, he, he, he really hasn't, ha- hasn't criticized him at all uh, uh, to start. And again, he's just been very, very, um, you know, you know, uh, uh, giving him a lot of praise. And not only that, though, but like how many rookies do you know just went in there the second preseason game and were told, hey, you're going in, James Harden, that's your guy. Go yeah. guard him. That, that's just uh, amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. And that experience is invaluable. For sure. So again, Devin Vassell has been a, a very um, you know interesting player that, that's definitely been on our uh, you know been one of the, the highlights to watch in the preseason. And you know obviously he's going to get some, some minutes here in the rotation uh, going forward as the season begins next week. Let's move on to the next player that I want to talk about, and that's Patty Mills because you know we, we heard off the training camp he's going to become the, um, the the Australian national team version of Patty Mills, a lot more <laughs> aggressive, scoring the ball. And so some of the data does show this. Uh, you know, against OKC, he had a really good game where he scores 24 points on 16 shots, um, zero assists in 20 minutes. Then against Houston, um, you know, only took eight shots on, for nine points, uh, two assists in 19 minutes. And then uh, versus Houston in that last game, which was uh, Thursday, 16 points on 15 shots. So, again, he's getting about 15, 16 shots here, two assists in 26 minutes. Uh, overall, how, how did this work out? Again, it's just preseason data. 18 of 39 overall, 46% field goal, uh, five turnovers to four assists. So, we, so you know, he is being more aggressive there we see on offense. But, uh, you know, I, again, for me, that third game was kind of tough because, you know, he, he wasn't really making a lot of his shots. He was struggling there, but so was the whole team as a whole. They were down by 30, so you can't put too, too much stock into that. What did you What did you think about this new, um, you know, definitely I think way more aggressive Patty Mills uh, off the bench? I So I, I just want to make a quick joke about something Jeff McDonald has said on the Spurs Insider podcast, that it is ironic that FIBA Patty wants to come out in a contract year. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little, little uh, mm. coincidence there, but yeah, I, I felt like, Honestly, in the first game for me, while it was great to see Patty play with that kind of aggression and speed, it it was almost borderline detrimental to the team. Some of it was him taking bad shots, which mm-hmm. uh, obviously Patty's not a stranger to bad shots. He hasn't seen a shot he never liked, but some of it was just kind of like you could have made a pass here, you could have penetrated and gotten someone else open, and he just kind of forced the issue a little bit. Uh, in the second game, it, it, it seemed a little bit more controlled. I, I didn't get to watch much of the third game, but obviously 15 shots, 16 points isn't ideal. Uh, you would just kind of hope that he can find the, the balance, which is also part of the reason why he's trying to unleash FIBA Patty in the preseason. But the, the problem with playing FIBA Patty basketball is you're doing it in the NBA where the talent level is not what you see in those FIBA competitions. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a completely different, just completely different game. And for him to try to do that against some of these guys – in the NBA, it's going to be a lot harder than it seems. And I just worry that those shots could be going somewhere else, and especially to some of the younger guys who would mm-hmm. need those shots for maybe their confidence or their development period. I, I would kind of hope I – don't, I don't want to see OKC, that OKC game again. Uh, it, it looked good when he was making shots and when he was driving, but some of those drives and some of those shots were just to the point where I'm like, why? There, there was no reason to you know not run the shot clock down there. There was no reason to try not to execute in half court. If you're if the goal for the team is to shoot more threes, Patty obviously needs to be on the higher end of shooting those threes because he's one of the better shooters on the team, but not to the point where it's going to start costing them possessions and being and not being able to translate to good transition defense. 
Yeah, and I think there, there's two parts. I think I think definitely what, what you what, you know what you said with the guys uh, at the Express News said there was that you know it is definitely a contract year for him. Also, I think that he has like a lot more pride in the fact that you know he was kind of seen as like uh, it almost looked like he was out, he was going out the door, you know, getting like a coaching role in the off in the in the, in the bubble. So maybe it yeah. looked like you know he was he was heading toward that veteran route of like you know getting closer to the end of his career. So maybe maybe for him it's more of like a pride thing of no, I still got this. You know, I can be a really good player or solid player uh, in this league. So maybe there's part of that. And then also maybe um you know with uh you know with either Kelton or or, or, or or Lonnie starting once everybody's healthy and, and Derek probably in the starting lineup as well. Maybe he thinks that there is uh, uh, some some room there for somebody to be like almost like a six man, you know, that, that one aggressive player off the, off the bench there to kind of get those shots there and kind of carry the offense. So maybe that's where he thinks his, his mind's at for, the, for for taking that route. I think the problem is going to be when Derek and, when Derek and Kelton get back or if uh, Vassell continues to make growth because you like, just like what you said, you know, you don't want him taking shots away from guys like like Vassell or Lonnie Walker or Kelton Johnson. You know, just him like you know like you said and in in there's running one, one thing that bothers me is that you know he's taking a lot more mid and i don't like the mid-range already and then so he said he's yeah. a lot of those where he gets like Jakob to set a screen he goes around the screen just shoots like a 15 footer and it's like okay it looked good against okc the day it was going in but then on like against okay against houston in that third game it did not it wasn't going in it just looked like you know again he was just like jacking shots you kind of see it there with the assist numbers how they were down as well so again we'll see we'll see how much that that system you know i mean how much how aggressive he continues to stay as the actual season starts here uh but but, but you know like, like I agree with John, where I think that's going to be a problem if those young guys are, are trying to get some shots or, or just trying to be be more involved in the offense and trying to grow and, and be and grow their game, and they can't because Patty's you know just uh, taking a bunch of shots here, fifteen, sixteen shots a night. So we'll see how that, how that system works out for them. Uh, the next player I want to talk about, John, is Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, uh, you know, not going to go too too much into the stats because you know, like you mentioned, he hadn't played basketball since March or. or um, and so, so, so we're not going to go too stat heavy here, but I just want to, you know, get your take on, on how he's fitting into the system. Cause you know, we know that he didn't go to the bubble, uh, due to, due to injury. So this is his first time coming in. I think, I think the one thing I did write down here was that, um, you know, half his shots in this preseason did come from three. So that, that's something, that's something notable. 10, 10, three point attempts versus OKC, four versus Houston, five versus Houston, in the second game. But like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, he t- wasn't very accurate, only 21%, but like, like we said, you know, he hasn't found a rhythm yet. It's been months since he's played actual basketball. Um, and then, uh, you know, like I, like we mentioned earlier, in the first game against OKC, he was playing more at the four with Yaka by his side. That was actually their best. That was their best game defensively and near the rim. Uh, they actually held OKC below fifty percent of the paint. Whereas against Houston, whew, Houston got got into paint, <laughs> paint at will against them. So I think that that was a problem. Was like you know, and, uh, defensively they're they're they're, they're going to have their issues if if Lamarcus is going to be the five from what I saw already in just two preseason games. But again, it is a small sample size. So what did you think about you know Lamarcus getting back with the team, especially considering he is a, you know one of their focal points on the team? I never want to see him shoot ten threes again. That that was almost like a borderline parody of everything that we've talked about because he mentioned in his his preseason availability to the media like yeah I totally support Pop wanting me to shoot more threes and I'm gonna buy in and to launch it just felt like he just said bleep it every time he got the ball against OKC and just started throwing it up just to see what happened and you know obviously you can't kill him because he doesn't have the legs yet to start shooting the way he was last season but. Uh, and I think the the most evident thing about the way that he doesn't have his legs and he's not in game shape was his inability to back down Eric Gordon last night. The, mm-hmm. That there was one play where just Eric Gordon just had him locked down and he couldn't move him. And I'm just looking at that like, okay, is that age? Is that game shape? Or is that Lamarcus just doesn't physically have that move anymore? Because if you can't back down a six four shooting guard, I, I, I don't know what you're supposed to bring to the table anymore to this team, but. 
you, you, you can't kill him too much. And defensively, obviously, you already know what you're getting from LaMarcus. As long as you can try to have the perimeter around him okay. Like, he's he's going to give up shots at the basket. He's not going to switch well. But it, it's just trying to survive. He, he needs to get it done more on offense. And hopefully that comes with more time and more game. Yeah, you know, uh, in the in the last game against Houston, I just I just I just continue to have like just like memory uh, going back to the memories of like the the, the par- prior years where like on one possession you would see Lamarcus do uh, you know back down and then turn around and make the shot, but then on the other end the Rockets go down and shoot a three, and then on another possession yeah. Lamarcus is there he does a pick and pop and he does a seventeen foot mid ranger, and then on the other end the Rockets go down and make a three, and it's just like it just reminds me of like you know where they've been in the past, and so that's why you know for me it wasn't really like a huge takeaway you know like, like you said you know there, there's some shots that he shouldn't be shooting you know that that many threes for, for certain things but there, there is some part of it where like you know you know if you're gonna pick and pop i think you definitely need to space out to that three-point line uh but then there's some definitely where, where like he, he gets like spot ups and like maybe he's he could do a little bit more with the ball there and, and so you know we're, we're just kind of see like, like you know we can't put too too much stock in it because it was his first games his first three games in, you know in months off of, of actual basketball so so that's kind of where, where, where we stand with the marcus um Let's move on to Dejounte Murray. Uh, you know, I really want to note note his uh, his last game against Houston. Uh, he was very he was a lot more aggressive uh, at at attacking the paint. He really, really whether it was in the half court, whether it was in, in the open court, he he had fourteen of his seventeen points scored in the paint, and then he even got to the free throw line. He was very aggressive, and he had three um, points from the free throw line. But he didn't really do that in the first two games against OKC, and then and then that first game against Houston. So like, I didn't want to. You know, maybe it was just a one-game sample, but I really feel like that's maybe where he can make his growth and progression. Uh, after the game, you know, we asked Pop about that, and Pop did say, you know, that's what they want for this season is for, for Murray to become more of a, you know, north-south rim attacker, just put more pressure on the defense. And that's something he typically doesn't do. A lot of times he'll use a pick-and-roll, and he'll, he'll like, if, if their space is over, um, you know, open because defenses go under on his screens, he likes to shoot his comfortable mid-ranger. I know he put up a few threes here and there. He took, like, three, three threes in, in all three preseason games. But, again, those were only the spot-up types. Um, and then, but then Murray said kind of the opposite of what Pop said, you know, whereas, whereas Pop said they want him to become more aggressive attacking the rim. He said, you know, he doesn't want to just take all the shots at the rim because he needs to set up his teammates and kind of get everybody involved. That's, he wants to be like a point guard. So, you know, basically like mixed, mixed messages there. So what did you think about DeJounte and his play? I, I have, I worry about him trying to attack the rim too much, honestly. Uh, it, it seems like he's regressed back to one of the biggest issues I had when he was in Austin mm-hmm. was just the loose handle, turning the ball over. And I think the biggest thing that happened, the, the change that he made was instead of when he got into trouble trying to penetrate or trying to make a play happen, he would stop dribbling. And that's where the turnovers would happen. It would be a bad pass because obviously he couldn't double dribble. Now it seems like the handle is there, but it's loose. Or then he tries to make a bad pass or he kind of flails and he's out of control. He's still really small. He's, we're not expecting DeJounte to bulk up into like a Chris Paul size. He's always going to be really lanky. And for him to try to penetrate a little bit just seems like, yeah, okay, that's great if you can give him the openings, but I don't want to see him trying to go into the paint, into traffic or anything like that. I, I think he's he's built a nice little pick-and-pop game similar to Tony Parker. That mm-hmm. mid-range seems to be his bread and butter, and he's mixed in a few threes. I, I think anything outside of that, DeMar needs to be more of a primary ball handler and maybe Keldon over DJ. I don't think – I think putting trying to like pinpoint DJ into a slashing point guard is mm-hmm. the worst thing they can do right now. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. So again, that's kind of what Pop said there. Uh, you know, he again, like 
the thing is, it wasn't consistent. Like, he didn't do that in the first OKC game. He didn't do the attacking the rim in the second one. All of a sudden, he started doing it in the third one. He started, you know, like I said, he got to the free throw line consistent uh, a lot, and then he also uh, had seven seven made layups there. So, again, maybe it, maybe it was just a one-time thing. Uh, but, but you know, I just want to note that, that Pop mentioned that. But then he, he, he obviously said, you know, kind of what you said, John, where he wants to be more of that facilitator. Uh, and then, you know, he, he relies more so on his mid-ranger and, and, and then if he's a spot-up three-point shooter. Um, the next play I want to move on to is uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth. You know, so... Uh, you know, the first game didn't, you know, the first preseason game, we, uh, we just have to note that, you know, he was, it was, he only played half the game because uh, 13 minutes to be exact, because it was his first game returning from injury. So he pretty much missed almost all of training camp with back spasms, according to coach pop. And so he finally came back for that, for that first preseason. So, so we'll kind of throw that one out, out of, out of the, out of the, uh, out of the conversation, but let's look at the, the two Houston's game. It was like totally, it kind of. For me, it kind of fit exactly how kind of Lonnie's been these last two years, uh, where like yeah. <laughs> he had a really strong game against Houston. You know, seventeen points to lead the Spurs in scoring on that first game against Houston on Tuesday. He gets nine points from three, and then he's attacking the rim. You know, he had a really cool dribble where like he like crosses like through like two defenders, and he uses like a um, what do you call that like a pro hop, and then he finishes a nice layup against yeah. Houston. So six points in the paint in twenty six minutes. He's he's a, little, he's a lot more active on defense, getting some steals and stuff like that. So he shoots six of eleven in that game, three of seven from three. All of a sudden, the net two nights later, uh, the same team, Houston. Now, now they did. You know, Sean Elliott mentioned this on the broadcast. They they are guarding him a little bit differently because they saw that he he went off for seventeen points against them. So so you know they they were they were uh, they were paying more attention to him. But this is what he puts up: one point zero rebounds in twenty nine minutes. He only took two shots in the entire game and just took and he was oh one from three. So he didn't even, he only got one three point attempt and just one extra shot. And, and like I mentioned there, it's kind of what happens like with Lonnie. It's it, it reminded me too of like what happened in the bubble. Like he had some strong games, but then all of a sudden it looked like Keldon was about to take his his job in the starting lineup toward the end there. And and, and that's the thing too is like I think that that's why like a player like Vassell, if he's gonna be consistent and there is gonna, there, there, if Lonnie doesn't, you know, put consistent performances. You know, I'm, I'm not saying score 17 points a night, but you know, at least get you, get get him like like nine to 11 points each each game and just be a consistent yeah. presence. If he's not doing that, well, then I think that by the time Derek and and, Kel, and Kelton get back, well, then hey, Vassell might be there for, to take that, that 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 role in those minutes. So, what did you think? What do you, what do you, what have you thought about Lonnie? Uh, it kind of goes back to like the scouting report, the, the scouting report of him in college that he just seems to get lost in the game sometimes. That he just disappears, and there's an engagement factor that maybe it's just the thought process, or maybe it's just the way he is. Like he just seems really disengaged when he's not getting the ball or performing well. And I think Pop knocked on him in the past too, where hey, if you're not scoring, contribute to the game in other places, and mm-hmm. he didn't do that. It, it, you, there's no distributing, there's no rebounding the defense isn't there, and then he's not shooting. So then why are you on the floor? That's the whole thing where we've talked about in the past. I know I've harped on this before where the Spurs need to see what not all these young guys are going to pan out. One of them you're not going to be able to pay. You're going to have to let one of them go and try to build through free agency or the draft to replace that person. And I think that's why this season for Lonnie is so crucial that Mm -hmm. if you can't I understand, like, the comparison to J.R. Smith is fine. You you want to go for 20 one night and five the next, fine. But that night that you go off for five, you better do something defensively or you better have a good, at least a couple assists or a couple plays that contribute to the team to winning that game. It can't just be a complete disappearing act for 20 minutes. And if that's going to be the case, I feel like there's no reason to bring him back. But at the same time, the injury issues, you know, he had the back spasms. You don't mm-hmm. want to, like... Mm-hmm. try to kill the kid off of that because obviously that that's not great and he's had injury issues in the past you want to kind mm-hmm. of bring him along slow but yeah he's he's kind of leaning towards like that bench unit it, it, I don't see 
I see him starting for now because I think he's he's yeah. a perfect complement to that team because you want him to be that spot up shooter and have opportunities to shoot because that starting lineup desperately needs it. But if it turns into anything like what we saw the night before or for that third game in Houston, he's going to see the bench sooner or later and see either Vassell or Keldon take his minutes. Yeah, and that's the thing is like first of all, you know, I, I should I should you know go back and just say kind of what you just pointed out. Again, it is preseason; it's just a very small sample size, three games. But you know, you know, that's the thing is like they're actually this is a time though that they actually are going to rely on him these next few weeks without Keldon and Derek there. He's going to be yep. the, he's going to be the starting lineup, and he has to you know he can't have these lapses where he just like disappears on a night and then it's pretty good on, on the next night. You know, when you're going to be a starter, uh, you have to be consistent in, in your role and what you're what you're providing to the team. I think that's thing to watch too is that like, again, like, this is his opportunity. Let's see how how. He really, um, you know, handles it in these first few weeks without Keldon and, and Derek. Because if, if he's still kind of having these types of performances, uh, you know, once those two players get healthy, like I mentioned, I think that Pop's going to have a tough choice to make where he's either going to have to give Keldon all those minutes or, or, or even move up um, Vassell ahead of him, uh, uh, you know, because of that. So, so again, we'll see again. Maybe it was just early preseason data. He is coming back from that injury. So, so we'll see kind of how Lonnie – uh, goes through this and again the reason why I just said it, it reminded me of how he's played in the past is just because kind of that's kind of how, how I've seen him the last two years you know is it, that's kind of what happens is where like he has some uh, uh, good string of games but then he just you know compl- you just forget that he's on the floor at times so yep. we'll see what happens to Lonnie uh, and the last player, you know, don't want to spend too much time on him, um, was Jakob Pertl. I just want to talk about a little bit on, about his offense. Uh, you know, he pretty much came off the bench in those last two games against the Rockets. Uh, I did notice that he's kind of attacking a little bit more in the mismatches, you know, uh, slightly more. And he's also getting to the free throw line a little bit more. So his field goal attempts in these three games against OKC, three attempts, uh, four attempts against the Rockets. The first game, none in the last game. And then uh, the free throw attempts, how he got to the line of four, four attempts against OKC, one attempt um, – uh, against Houston the first time, and then two attempts against Houston the second time. Uh, so, is there anything there about Jacoby that, you, that you've noticed? I, I'm just glad he's back. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not expecting any kind of dramatic changes to him, mm, yeah. especially with the shooting and stuff like that. It's good that he's more aggressive, and I think fans are still going to be upset when he tries to go up for a layup while when drawing contact and attacking the basket. But you know, I, I, I don't want him to go out there trying to put up 10 to 15 points a game. I would much rather see that from someone that the Spurs have harped on about being that has a potential to be special in like Trey Lyles, who hasn't shown that this preseason in those three games, who also hasn't played since March though. But Jakob is giving you exactly what you need and exactly what you paid him for. And he, he, as long as he's not, I I forgot where I made the comparison, but I said something, I think it was with Joe Garcia and Ben Bornstein where I said, yeah, Jakob's contract is great because he got paid similar to Myers Leonard. But then I saw Myers Leonard launching threes the other night. I don't want to see Jakob launching threes. I don't want that kind of aggression out of him. Yeah, so you know we'll see what happens to Jakob. And for now, it looks like he is going to end up. Uh, you know, if they keep this 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 unit with, with Rudy at the four and Lamarcus at the five, well, then it looks like he's going to come off the bench. I know that he mentioned in his preseason, I mean his training camp interviews, that his goal was to become a starter uh, down the road here. Uh, you know, during the length of this contract. So so we'll see what happens here. Um, so, so uh, before we end this episode, Spurs Cast listeners, make sure that you visit ProjectSpurs.com. You know, the, the season's definitely kicking into swing here uh, for us. So we have Steven Anderson back. He's providing um, analysis after each game. So you make sure you check out his articles. Uh, Jonas Clark recently wrote um, a, a new piece called Where in the World Are the Austin Spurs? Kind of looking at where a lot of the Austin – with the um, pandemic and because of the uncertainty with the G League, uh, uh, make sure that, uh, you know, just kind of – 
figure out what's going to happen with the Austin Spurs. I mean, where their players have gone, a lot of their former players. Uh, and then also Benjamin Bornstein's already getting ready for next season, so he has his latest prospect watch on Zaire Williams. And, and I do want to um, promote one, one podcast, that uh, the, the Forever Turtles podcast from, from a week ago. It was in the Spurs cast feed. Make sure you all listen to that. It was with um, John, uh, Michael DeLeon, and I think it was Jonas. Was that right, John? Yes, yes. Yeah, Jonas and that was Clark. pretty good because the, the part that you all got to in that discussion about you know how, how the league really invested a lot into the um, – into the G League, and then for them not to, they may not even be able to use it. Now, it does look like the Spurs are going to participate, their, their affiliate, because they're, they're signing and waving players um, left and right. But, uh, you know, that, that's just an in- interesting conversation they have about, you know, the direction of the G League and, and how they really wanted to, 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 to emphasize it this year, but then now they can't because of the pandemic and, and how there's so much uncertainty. And then the funny part was how you guys were talking about how they have, like, ticket sale promotions, and there's like, yeah, we don't even know if we're having a season now. And it made me think, like, wow, I cannot believe they actually went that far with that stuff. So, so yeah, that's, the, that, that's something. So definitely uh, check out that Forever Toros podcast um, uh, uh, as well um, <laughs> online. That was, that was a good conversation to listen to. And then I wanted to say one more thing, um, Spurscast listeners. So, again, John and I are recording this on a Friday, and, um, you know, the, the first game of the regular season for the Spurs is the 23rd. Um, against Memphis and something to watch you're probably going to see in the next few days is you're going to see some wavings uh, most likely I would say Cam Reynolds from the Spurs because they have to get their, their roster down to uh, well actually yeah, yeah they have to get to down to what is that I think 15, 15 regular season players and yeah. and two uh, two way players so yeah so you're probably going to see um, you know Cam Reynolds get waved and maybe they don't have to do it right now but they might you know wave t- uh, uh, Tyler Zeller because I mean he, uh, that was something to watch too John was the fact that he didn't even play even even though these were blowouts and these were just preseason games Zeller got zero, zero minutes and he wasn't hurt according to the team so so that, so, so we might strange, see Zeller yeah. and um, <laughs> and Cam Reynolds get get waved here uh, uh, dur- during these next few days. All right, so thank you, thanks, thanks again to John for joining me on Spurs on this Spurscast episode, and also to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing the episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.